every wrestling fan in the state of Georgia knows why I'm here. They know what I've got to do. They also know that I am very capable of taking care of Harley Race's business. Now this is my business, Gordon, right here. It says it right on top of pure gold. World's heavyweight champion. Now they don't just present this to you. You devote your life to earning it. And then when you get it, you give every ounce that you've got to keep it. And buddy, I've given it all. I am the living legend in wrestling today. And now, wrestling number two. You want to make yourself a big man and run on here and intimidate me. Well, let me tell you something, buddy. It's going to be settled tonight. We heard him right there with Gordon Soley. Harley Race passed away on August 1st, and we're talking about it on the special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at WrestlingTWT, also Instagram at WrestlingTWT. We will celebrate the life of one of the great professional wrestlers of all time, an eight-time World Heavyweight Champion with the National Wrestling Alliance, Harley Race. Harley Race, for some, is the king of wrestling from the WWF, but he's more than that. He was a blood-and-guts great pro wrestler that was wrestling all over the world with the NWA championship, all these different territories, and he tried to make wrestling better wherever he went. Now, he's from the state of Missouri. I remember us talking about Harley Race with my friend Courtney Cross. He was He's from St. Louis and watched him uh, wrestle in St. Louis in that area, but Harley wrestled all over the place. And so my memory of Harley Race is just a guy that was just a great World Heavyweight Champion. I didn't get Harley at first because I read about him in the magazines, and I saw him and said, well, he's a little methodical, a little slow. But then you start to see he was just trying to put others over and make them better. So Harley was that guy, similar to Ric Flair in that regard, just a wrestler that made others better. Well, I get a chance to talk to Chris Zellner, uh, a podcaster for professional wrestling, Between the Sheets podcast, also Exile on Bad Street. You can download those podcasts. Again, we always try to keep our wrestling community tight with other podcasters. And Chris is really an historian when it comes to a lot of this uh, professional wrestling. So I called him and wanted to get his thoughts as we share our memories of the great Harley Race, Chris Zellner from the Between the Sheets podcast right here on TWT. It's always, uh, we, get, we turn now to Chris Zellner, host of two great podcasts I listen to, Between the Sheets podcast with David Bixenspan, as well as Exile on Bad Street. Wherever you download your podcast, look for Exile on Bad Street, look for Between the Sheets. Chris Zellner is with us here on ESPN 1000, and a special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Chris, as always, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, well, anytime, man. Glad to be on. Chris, uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on, on the passing of Harley Race. And I had to jog my memory of the first time that I saw Harley. Uh, I, I want to say, of course, through the magazines as a kid, you saw that. You just want to say, wow. And you saw clips on some of the Bob Luce wrestling, a little bit of a little bit on Vern's TV every now and then. But I think I saw him in world class first, uh, just stopping over. What, what, do you, what was your first time seeing Harley? Do you remember? The first time I ever remember seeing Harley race was on TBS in uh, January of 86. He came in uh, the first week of January, and he was part of uh, a, a little thing that Jim Crow Promotions was doing. Mm-hmm. 
he uh, had um, a match in uh, Charlotte that Saturday night, and he did TBS that morning. So that was the first time I had seen Harley Race, really, on television that I remember. Um, I had, of course, seen him in the magazines when I was buying magazines when, you know, when I was a kid. And I, I mean, I would have been six years old this time, six and a half years old. But, um, yeah, it's the first time I, I ever really saw him on television. Now, he did work Memphis, and we had Memphis, but I don't. I just didn't, didn't remember seeing him there. He only worked Memphis for a very short time in 85, in September of 85. And uh, so, yeah, but I, remember, I just vaguely remember that, that turn appearance because my brother had recorded that episode of television on tape and I used to go back and watch that tape often when I was little. So that that always, you know, stuck with me was watching Harley on that. And then, of course, he was in WWF in the summer of 86. And then, you know, then we got the King Harley race after that. So, you know, that's a whole different, whole different guy. But, yeah, that would be the first time I, I, I remember seeing him, yeah. Do you have a, the, a favorite Harley Flair match? Is it Starcade or is it something else as far as those two going at it? I tell you, my favorite match of Harley and Ric Flair actually aired on All Japan Television. And later on in All Japan Classics, when they aired their shows on Samurai TV in Japan, starting in 97, was uh, Harley and Ric Flair had a title match at the Omni uh, in February 20th, 1982, which All Japan was there taping the show because it was uh, part of the... uh, NWA World Tag Title Tournament that was going going on in different cities, and Giant Baba was there, Jump Bush Ruta was there, Genichiro uh, Tenru was there. So you had the three top All Japan guys there. Um, so and so and they had a Flair and Harley title match. So naturally, they recorded that match and aired it on television, and it was a tremendous match. You know, just seeing the just seeing Flair and Harley at the Omni. You know, my home building, because I'm you know, from an hour south of Atlanta, and just seeing that and, and just watching it, and it was a different dynamic because, you know, but Flair was a heel in Atlanta. Harley was pretty much a heel in Atlanta. So there's no real fan favorite dynamic. The fans were there just to watch it, enjoy the match. And just really cool match. And, uh, yeah, it went, it went 20, 30 minutes. Tremendous stuff. Both guys out there just, you know, working and bumping like crazy. And just, just it's a really great match. Of course, the Starcade match is what's going to be remembered the most because of the cage, being the main event of the first Starcade. Flair's really ascension as an NWA champion on his second reign. But to me personally, it's the Omni match from February 20th, 1982. Chris, I think that you've told the stories about Harley just on house shows, obviously Harley dropped the title to Tommy Rich for about a week and he got the title back. Um, but there was times where Harley understood uh, what fans wanted in some of those house shows, non-televised events. Like there was a time that he was going to drop the, the title to Tony Atlas. Was he not? That had, that had been talked about. He, he was very willing to do stuff like that to help guys get over even though he knew that it probably wouldn't have been the best thing to do politically. But the thing about Harley Race was a lot of people let him slide because he was Harley Race. Right. <laughs> I mean, 
He did. He did it in Japan with Giant Baba, and he did it in in Florida with Dusty. He did it in Georgia with Tommy Rich, where you know he dropped the title early in the week, picked it back up later in the week, or, or right at the end, end, of, end of a week. So it boosted up his title reigns, and this is a different era. You know, there was no internet, there was no cable television. I mean, well, TBS, but I mean, there, it was one of those things where. You could do something like that, and nobody would really know about it, other than just you know the people that were there. And then maybe if the you know the word got out when somebody sent like a wire message, you know, to saying that this happened, or it'd be a lot for people found out this stuff happened. So he could get away with stuff like that, and with Giant Baba for sure. I mean, that was money. I mean, they paid money. They paid him money to drop the title and to win it back. So. And it's Giant Baba, who is also, you know, deeply plugged into the NWA. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a totally different story. Now, Tommy Rich, there's been conflicting reports about that because Jim Crockett was president mm-hmm. at the time, and Jim Crockett was supposedly in Japan. And suppose this was a move Jim Barnett pulled without really getting all the approval that he needed. So there was kind of like some, some different stories there. But, but yeah, Harley, I mean, Harley didn't care. You know, he's Harley Race. <laughs> you know, just it, it lose the title, win it back. You know, it's just, just that simple. I wonder, as we talk to Chris Zellner here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, a special edition, as we talk about the passing of Harley Race, two great podcasts that Chris is part of, uh, Between the Sheets podcast with David Bixenspan, as well as Exile on Bad Street. Download those podcasts and subscribe to those. I'm, I'm wondering, uh, at the time of the, the of Flair becoming the champion, you know that he was going to have that run. I wonder what was going through Harley's mind, knowing that a- after the seventh or eighth run, like, this is it. This is going to be Flair's. I wonder, was there a tug of war, or was Harley ready to to surrender those title reigns and that championship? I honestly think Harley was done after losing the title to Dusty and the on the on June twenty first, nineteen eighty one. The reason why basically he he got the belt back in eighty three was to build up Starcade. You know, to to do that, you know, have him beat Flair, do the big angle with Flair. Harley, between that time, between losing the title to Dusty and then getting it back from Flair, Harley was mainly staying around home. He was working mainly the Central States Territory, working St. Louis. He would do big show shots, you know, at the Omni or whatever, maybe some in Florida. But he was mainly hanging at home because Harley Race, Rick Flair says it, and he's absolutely true. Harley Race was the epitome of what the NWA champion was because he traveled everywhere. He defended that title everywhere. Mexico, Canada, Japan, the Far East, Australia. He defended it everywhere. He did not care where it was. If they if they put, you know, got dates on him as a champion, he's there. So Flair Flair wasn't as thorough in his travels as Race was because at a different time there was more territories when Race was champion. So Race had settled down, become more of a homebody. They did the deal with uh, with Flair for you know eighty three sub star cave, and then they trade the belt back in Singapore and New Zealand in eighty four mm-hmm. just for you know just to trade it off. And uh, once that was over, I mean, again, Harley became mainly just a, a homebody until uh, he went to WWF, which he, I mean, 
that's probably the right decision to make at that time. You know, go out there, you know, your last big run, go national, you know, do a different type of gimmick and make, make good money. So it's understandable. Well, I, I want to go there with you because the, the next question I was going to ask you is why Why did Vince need to bring him in for a run? There had to be some respect there. I mean, for you and I looking at it, sure, if you're Vince McMahon, you look at Harley Race, everything that he's done, and for the NWA all over the country, sure, give him a run toward the end. But it's Vince. <laughs> you know, it's like he was never a WWF guy, but why did Vince need to bring him in? Gave him a nice WrestleMania payday with that matchup against JYD at WrestleMania three. It was mainly, uh, I think, uh, more of a Harley thing than Vince thing. I think Harley was just tired of competing against Vince because it wasn't that long before he went to WWF that he pulled a gun on Hulk Hogan in, in, in the locker room at a WWF show in Kansas City. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. pulled a gun on Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there was heat there with Hulk, Hulk and Harley, especially when they had their feud in 87, where Holt wasn't always the most cooperative and making Harley look good in their matches. But I think, again, I think Vince was taking anybody who he felt was beneficial to another territory. He didn't care who they were. He was taking them in a lot of ways. And Harley was a key figure in central states, which was dying as a territory and losing Harley who was one of the owners of the territory, I mean, was, uh, you know, just pretty much a fatal blow in a lot of ways. So where are we officially now with Harley, Harley's passing on the Kansas City office? We hear so many negative things about Bulldog Bob Brower. Uh-huh, uh-huh, get over. You know, here's a guy here, you know, was way past his prime, and there he was there. And that can I just remember seeing some of that film of Kansas City, just how, how dark that arena was and just nobody there and Rufus R. Jones getting over. Chris, it was just bad. I, I, so where are we with Harley as far as owner slash booker with Geigel with that Kansas City office? Yeah, I mean, he, he was uh, he had points in the office. Uh, he, and, and he, he booked some, but not, he wasn't uh, the main booker mainly in, in, in Central States. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, him leaving pretty much, you know, Geigel had the full control after that, and well, and it, was, it wasn't that long after that that they, you know, hooked up with Jim Crockett for a while, and Crockett sent his crew in. That Crockett pulled everybody out, and then once Crockett pulled everybody out, that was it. In, Jan- in January of '87, so that, that was the real death blow of such uh, things. But you know, you mentioned Harley as a Booker. You know, before Harley um, won the NWA title from Terry Funk in uh, Toronto on uh, February 5th, '77, if I'm correct on the date. Uh, Harley mainly was a guy who was going. He booked in Florida. He booked in Georgia. He, he mainly would, you know, go around and, and was booking t- territories. But once he became the Dead Bay champion, that's pretty much done after that. But uh, yeah, he, he was a booker as well. So he was a man who could do a lot of things. He was he wasn't just a great wrestler. He could, you know, he could do the promotions. He could book. He could do all kinds of stuff. So he was very well-rounded in the business. In the early, and you mentioned Bob Luce. Yeah, Bob Luce. I mean, Luce, that's yeah. Harley's big break. I mean, Harley's big break was working with Vern and AWA, and, of course, they were going to Chicago with Bob Luce. Him and Larry Henning were a dominant tag team in the in the late 60s. He was handsome Harley Race with the blonde hair, and uh, you know that was his first real big run, was was you know going to places like Chicago, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, all the big towns in the 
and, and, and uh, your neck of the woods. Yeah, absolutely. I, w- I want to find out your thoughts about, about Harley in the early 90s. How much do you feel that Harley enhanced the characters of Vader and Lex Luger with WCW as a manager? He was pivotal more with Vader than Luger. Mm-hmm. I mean, Luger, he was basically used to get Luger over as a heel. Uh, him and Mr. Hughes was, you know, that part of that to get Luger over as a heel. And he was he was okay in that role, but it, it was him with Vader. I think you you you, you take Harley Race out of the Big Van Vader presentation going in ninety starting in ninety two and the ninety three and ninety four. It, it it make it makes him a different thing altogether. I mean, Vader is still awesome as a worker, but Harley Race added so much to that role. He could cut he could cut some promos. He could take bumps on the outside, which he still was taking crazy bumps at that age. Still taking that suplex, Chris. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. On the floor. No, no, the backdrop off a pile driver. You know, he would try to pile drive guys, and they reverse and backdrop them on the floor. And this is no match. Oh, man. I mean, and and Harley Race, let's see, he was born in 43, so he would have been, been 50, 51 years old with a long career like he had had. And he's still taking bumps on concrete floors. <laughs> oh. I mean, the guy just—he's he's one of the toughest dudes ever in the history of the business, and would do anything it took for the business. He loved the business, and uh, yeah, he was tremendous, you know, as Vader's manager, and, and gave Vader that extra oomph he needed to get him to that next level in WCW. So I'll ask you this last thing, Chris, about his promos. You know, you can go through uh, YouTube and see just those promos from Florida, the promos and the NWA, the whole the whole bounty thing with Flair, which is just classic, man. It's just that whole build to Star K was just just tremendous. The you know Bob Orton involved and Dick Slater involved and in trying to get um, you know Ric Flair. That that stuff was so good. It's so well laid out. What, what did you think of of Harley's promo style? Is he in your top five or ten all time with promos? Uh, I'm not going to put him that high as far as all-time because there's so many great all-time guys. But the one thing Harley Race, I will definitely rank him at near the very top of the list, was believability. You believed what Harley Race was saying was true. When he went out there and said he was going to do something, you believed he was going to do it. And you mentioned bounties. Harley Race, as NWA champion, was the king of stuff like that. He would... He would put a bounty on a guy in wherever territory, whether it's Dusty in Florida, Tommy Rich in Georgia, Wrestling 2, whatever. And he would put these bounties out, and he would cut these great promos about, you know, about that. And it was, you just believe that this guy, he wants to keep his title, and he's paying the money to get other guys in the territory to run interference for him and help him keep that title. There's some great videos that I put up myself on YouTube from 1980, February 80, where Tommy Rich is, you know, going after Harley's title. And he has a team match with Austin Idol for the TV title. And Harley gets involved, and they break Tommy Rich's leg. And Harley, you know, the, the whole thing was Harley paid Austin Idol. The Austin Idol said that it was uh, for real estate purposes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is great promos. And there's Harley cut this promo on the Sunday show that aired the next night about what it what it meant for him to be the NWA champion. And that is one of the best promos that I've ever seen. I mean, because it, it's so believable. 
that he the way he was talking is like you he believed everything he said that he would do anything he had to do to stay champion. Yeah, I mean that that is his legacy. His legacy to me is he was the NWA champion and was believable. Yeah, you'd read all these things in the magazines when I was a kid, when you were a kid, and just like I can't wait to see this guy because he's always dressed in a suit. No tie, by the way. It was always the uh, he always had the shirt, the shirt open at the top, but uh, always had the jacket, always dressed well, and had a serious tone. And then when he had to get upset, he'd get upset to try to sell that promo. Chris, he was he was one of the best of all time, and and we got a loss today. Yeah, and, and you got the kid. And forget to mention the tattoos. He got the oh. tattoos. He, he a tough guy looking tattoo, <laughs> you know. I mean, and he had the mutton chops and the hair. I mean, he he just exuded toughness, and he really was. He was a tough man outside the ring. A lot of people could tell you that. But you know what, though? He was one of the most beloved guys outside the ring, too. He's one of these guys where very few people have anything negative to say about Harley Race. He was beloved by everybody. Chris, I'm sure that you'll be talking about this on your on your platforms as well, Between the Sheets podcast and also Exile on Bad Street. Again, download those podcasts, subscribe uh, to hear Chris Zellner. I'm glad you spent some time to talk about the great Harley race because it's a sad day for us wrestling fans, but we can reminisce on one of the all-time greats. So I'm glad you stopped by the program. Yeah, it's, it's sad. We're losing all our great legends. and I, Today I thought about Ric Flair because, Harley was so important to Rick personally, professionally, and another guy that you know that was close to Rick is gone. You know, Harley, Dusty, Piper, you know, all these guys are just are, are just dying on us, and you know it, it's it's sad, but it's you know it's the way it goes. We're all getting older, sadly. Yeah, so yeah. We all have to go sometime. You know, you know the the Ric Flair's favorite Harley race story, right? The you know Harley goes to Portland, and uh, young Kurt Hennings up there, and uh, you know, Harley's already in the locker room and he's smoking and here comes Kurt Henning and it's going to be Henning against race. And he goes, Hey kid, what's your finish? And Kurt Henning says, um, uh, drop kick off the top. Takes another drag from his cigarette and Harley says, I'll move. <laughs> that is a great, that's a great story. My favorite flair story about Harley was flair. His first tour of all Japan as world champion. And he was told, he, they said, you got to watch out when you go over there because those Japanese guys, they may shoot on you. Mm-hmm. They may try to take your title from you. So he called Harley. And Harley, who wasn't even booked on the tour, went with Flair to Japan and showed up with Flair. And then they knew right then and there, we're not doing that tonight, boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're not even thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> that shows how tough he is, man. That's who he is. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you spent some time, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, let's talk again soon. But uh, it's uh, great to talk about uh, one of the great champions of all time in the wrestling that we love, Harley Race. Absolutely. Thank you for the, for the time.